Spoiler alert, Slashers Paradise encourages viewers to watch these horror films before listening to our show. Danny and Lance will go through everything, including filmmaking, dialogue, characters, and even full scene breakdowns when we get excited. Enjoy the show. Mm. Hey, Lance. Hmm. I got a joke for you. Okay. Guy sitting in a bar, right? Orders a drink. Tells the bartender, hey, jackass, pour me a drink. So the bartender gives him a drink. Second drink, he says, hey, jackass, pour me a drink. The bartender gives him another drink. Again, he says, hey, jackass, give me a drink. Bartender pours him a drink. Guy gets up. Guy sitting next to him and says, hey, why do you always let him call you jackass? And the bartender says, oh, he all, he all, he always calls me that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Welcome to Slasher's Paradise. That's Danny. I'm Lance. Uh, Tonight... You know what? There's something there's something in the air. There's something coming this weekend. There's a full moon coming and we're talking about silver bullet. Danny, this is one of your favorites. I'm going to kind of let you take the reins on this one tonight because I'm going to take the reins. I'm going to take them right now because I'm going to say what everyone wants to hear. And the fact that this is the number 1 all-time best werewolf movie. Thank you very much. One, the, it's the all-time best, the best werewolf horror movie of all time, Lance. It is Silver Bullet. Not only Silver Bullet, it's Stephen King's Silver Bullet. The best werewolf movie of all time. Wow. Yes. There's a lot of other uh, werewolf movies out there, Danny, and I think a lot of people might disagree with you on that. And a lot of people might be wrong. And that, that's the point. That's very true. And that's Let why me we're tell here. you why I love Stephen King's Silver Bullet. First of all, Stephen King, hello, you know? <laughs> I mean, but this is based off a Stephen King novella, novelette. Yes. It's a small little thing. And it wasn't even called Silver Bullet. What was no. it called? Uh, it was called, and I was going to get to this later, but... Sorry! Cycle of the Werewolf. Cycle. Revolutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a huge fan of this movie. Lance, do you want to know... Uh, I've kept this one close to the chest as to why this is also my favorite werewolf horror movie of all time. Why? I want to know, Danny. It was released in the year 1985. Am I right? Yes, you are. That is also the year that I was born. Ah, there we go. That's the real reason he picked this film. Danny, I I do really appreciate this movie. This is one of my parents' favorites. This is one of those... (laughs) Yes, this is one of those movies that my parents constantly thought, ooh, okay. Silver Bullet, we gotta have Silver Bullet when we start building our movie collection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a horror film. This is one of those, for me, different category horror films where it's almost like an adventure horror. Mm-hmm. I never saw Jaws as a horror film, but it is considered a horror film. Oh, yeah. It's one of those, like, yes, it is gory. It is horrible for children, but at the same time, there's a family element to it. There's... Mm-hmm. Kids, sibling uh, element to it. There's the big sibling. I mean, that's a big chunk of the movie. Um, With that said, let's get down to it. Danny, give us our pumpkin spice latte for Silver Bullet. Pumpkin spice latte for Stephen King's Silver Bullet. This movie is about a small, the small town of um, (laughs) Harker's Harker's Mill. Harker's Mills. Uh, that is a sleepy town and is terrorized by a murdering force that will later reveal itself to be a werewolf. And the unlikeliest of heroes to stop the werewolf is not a gun-toting Rambo-like hero. It's a 13-year-old confined-to-a-wheelchair boy played by Corey Haim and his uh, sister and his awesome uncle, Red, played by the one and only Gary Busey. Do they survive? Do they save the town before the werewolf can wreak any more havoc? We'll find out when you watch Silver Bullet. And that's it. All right, new new segment down on Slash's Paradise. We're going to run down some stats. So, yes. Silver Bullet, 1985. Uh, we had a $7 million budget, mm-hmm. and we only made $4 million this opening weekend. But eventually we made $12, 12 million overall uh, box office. That's good. Uh, this film was uh, the screen written by Stephen King. Uh, it was loosely based on his short horror novel, uh, the 1983 Cycle of the Werewolf. Uh, this film was directed by, you get his name right, Daniel Adeus, mm-hmm. 
who did not direct another film after this. Wow. This was his one and only, his debut and his one and only. Uh, the film stars Gary Busey, uh, Everett McGill, mm-hmm. Corey Haim, and Megan follows. Thank mm-hmm. you for correcting me on that earlier. Hey, IMDb, what do you want? So, <laughs> that is the... That's how we sum up things around here. We got our pumpkin spice latte. We've done the stat rundown. Danny, tell us why this is your favorite movie. What do well, we want to get into right away? Well, I mean, like we were, we, we just talked about the sleepy town uh, or small town vibe of Tarker's Hill, Tarker's Mill, Tarker Tark- Mills. Did I say Harker's? I think you said Harker's. I did say Harker's. It is Tarker's Mill, correct? S- Mills. Mills. There's one more than one Mills, but there was only one bluff. In Valentine Bluff, correct? Yes. The reason I bring up my bloody Valentine is because we just finished talking about the small town mentality. I came from, in the grand scheme of things, as far as like compared to big metropolitan areas, I came from a small town. Yeah. You did too, right? Yes. So I love small town vibes. Now, when I say that this movie is my favorite werewolf horror movie of all time, I don't even know why I keep on saying werewolf horror. Shouldn't a werewolf movie be a horror movie? Huh. It's almost like you could have a werewolf movie. What? What? Uh, you could have a werewolf movie and it'd be like a comedy. Uh-huh. But if, if I were to do that, it would be around like, I don't know, maybe I would do like a teen boy, right? Uh-huh. Or, or it doesn't have to be a boy. It could be like a, a teen who's struggling with, uh, you know, teenhood in high school and maybe becoming a werewolf is part of the change and they... I don't know, take their basketball team to the state championship. I would call it Teen Wolf or something. (laughs) What? What What I'm saying here is you can have a werewolf movie and then not be horror, right? I think we can say that. Yes. Okay, fine. So this is a a werewolf horror movie. And the reason I, it's not perfect, but it is my favorite. I love the small town of uh, Tarker's Mills. I love um, the dynamic of the family between Mm. the cool uncle like me i've talked about this before i got into horror because of a cool uncle and it was like it just uncle red besides the chugging of wild turkey chugging besides the there's always a bottle there was always about a wild turkey first okay let's talk about wild turkey for two seconds i don't want wild turkey i never want wild turkey i want turkey sandwiches I want turkey. <laughs> I want turkey at Thanksgiving. I don't want wild turkey. That shit is like pepper. Yeah, it, it is strong. It's something I will not ever put in my tiki cup. No, if I'm gonna uh, put anything it's heavily in my tiki, mixed with something else. Yeah, if I'm gonna put anything in my tiki cup, I'd probably put like uh, blended Canadian whiskey, <laughs> Crown Royal, perhaps drink for the uh, for the horror fan. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was a great tie-in. Gracias. So. There's something that My Bloody Valentine does with the small town that I don't think that this movie does as well. Mm. I want to be part of the small town of My Bloody Valentine. I don't want to live in this town. Mm. But but what's really nice for you Stephen King nights out there is that this town is neighboring right next to in the same universe as Derry, Derry, Castle Rock, yes. all of where the Stephen and, you know, the other adjacents where everything happens. They all know each other. As a matter of fact, if you all um, have time, Castle Rock on Hulu is actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into that. What a terrifying county to live in. I mean, seriously, what like, <laughs> like I mean, the voting, the voting registration alone is a nightmare, yeah. you know, because they're like, oh, Sheriff Haller probably eked it out because, you know, a bunch of dead people are voting. And you know what? You can't throw that out because a bunch of dead people are probably for real dead. Because you have you have Pennywise or It. You have Cujo. You have uh, what? Pet, Pet Cemetery is going down. You got, a, you got killer dogs from outer space. No, they're just killer dogs. <laughs> and then you have now you have a werewolf. Werewolf. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't know if you notice in the movie, everyone says where they, they all have their their own take on the word. Say werewolf. 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 Are you saying with a hard R? Werewolf. Uh, werewolf. But it's like, okay, so so some people are like, how about a werewolf? You know, they even dropped the F. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. That was a, yeah. And then I think Gary Busey says like, werewolf. <laughs> you know, it's like the F is like really in there. So it's like, okay, so, but, but but besides that. Every time you speak about Gary Busey, you have to do your impression of Gary Busey. <laughs> Piss on the Yankees, piss on the Indians, <laughs> piss on the Phillies, piss on the Phillies. <laughs> hey, 
man, let him finish the game. Huh? Yeah, I was, I'll call uh, we're getting there. There's, there's going to be a lot of these coming. So Gary Busey, get used to it. Everyone, Grab your tiki cups right now. Fill them up. Absolutely. Gary Busey is. Uh, I love Gary Busey. Do you love? Gary I love Busey? Gary Busey. Yes, I do. One hundred percent. He uses a line in this that he uses in Point Break, which is one of my favorite movies. Starting to get a little dated. Point Break. Is it? Yeah, I did. I did a viewing uh, like a month ago. Huh? Show showed the fiance for the first time. For the first time. For the first time. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, oh, it's starting to get a little dated. Anyway. Yeah. Is it because he wants two meatball sandwiches in the early morning? No. Utah. Give, Give me, me two. two. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just getting a little dated, but I want to get back to this film and Gary Busey's wonderful character, Uncle Red. I mean, Gary Busey, uh, if you guys aren't aware, there's two versions of Gary Busey. There is the uh, post and pre-accident. And I like to speak about that as if like, you know, I mean, the man is still cognizant, he's still aware, but, you know, he has jumped the shark in his own life to where he's just kind of being a little bit more outlandish than he usually is. But before uh, he, and I think it was a motorcycle accident, and forgive me, obviously, Gary, if you're listening to this and I'm, you know, speaking lightly of it, but we do admire you as an actor. And uh, right before they have, there's a litany of movies that he did where he is just a force there's a subtlety even in his big persona yeah um you see it in the relationship between him and Corey Haim who is uh I think this is one of his I don't know if it's post or pre-Lucas but it's pretty much around there it's one of his first films uh wow. Corey Haim is phenomenal in this uh he's just so excited to act in this movie you know isn't like, that great he just like he's just so happy to do what he's doing on yeah. this and it's just like every time you watch him you're just like oh 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 go get it man go get yeah. it yeah I mean, Corey Haim is uh, part of the two Corys, him and Corey Feldman from mm-hmm. Lost Boys, License to Drive. Uh, hey, and, stand by me. Uh, well, one of them for sure. Corey Feldman was in that one, not Haim. Oh, you're right. That was where they were both together. Yes. Sorry. No, but, 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 stand by me, Stephen King Universe. Whoa. Came back. Uh, I think that was the next year after this one came out. So, so right, right in there. Um, You have... Uh, <laughs> Yes, he's very good. I mean, as far as a, a young actor, he's flexing some major acting muscles. Uh, he's supposed to be playing a thirteen-year-old uh, boy who is confined to a wheelchair. Yeah, uh, it is referent. They call him a cripple in the movie. Uh, his f- legs definitely move. It could be anything. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Last time I checked, uh, but uh, yeah, his feet are definitely moving. There, I mean, there are some rough edges around the film, but yes, he, but he's just like a fun kid. I mean, the most tragic, I think, uh, side of that in the film is when he's watching the the kids playing baseball and he yeah. can't be there, but he's still one of the cool kids. Cause they even come and kind of say to him like, Hey man, like you want to come hang out or play with us or whatever. Yeah, uh, so. His name is Marty and he, um, the movie, st- the movie is, uh, narrated for the most part by a grown, uh, Jane who is Marty's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, you know, that Jane's going to survive because <laughs> yeah. she's, you know, young in the movie. And she's telling the story of, you know, what they went through as kids. So you only know that Jane is going to survive, but you really don't know if the rest are. Right. I think they're whoever, who, who the actor that they got to do the narration as of grown up Jane was just, there's this like, almost Maleva, Maleva, I forget how to say her name from the original Wolfman. Oh, the gypsy okay. woman. Okay. There's almost a, you know, there's all there's a, like a like an old sort of salt of the earth child of the soil voice about her. I feel like that was just a yeah, that was a big thing in the 80s. Like anyone with an older voice, which I mean this movie takes place in 1976. It mm-hmm. comes out in 1985, so mm-hmm. she's not that technically that much older, but you're right. Right. She does have an older voice mm-hmm. to her. Uh, there is very much an 80s feel to this to this movie the whole way through. And I appreciate that. You know that my favorite oh, decade yeah. is the decade I was born in um, as far as what it is. Mean, it means to pop culture, music, movies, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, is that this movie does tend to. Yeah, I think the rough edges are a part of the appeal. Yeah, a part of its charm. There are certain scenes in this movie that are a little bit laughable just because, you know. Hey, what is viewed as one of the greatest horror, werewolf horror movies of all time is 
an American werewolf in London. Yeah. It's widely considered one of the best of all time. And even then, the werewolf looks ridiculous. When you finally see it, you see it's on the tracks and the arms are moving like this. <laughs> well, there's no mechanic. There's no mechanical werewolf for this movie. There is a full-on person in a werewolf costume that ends up looking like a... Mascot. Mm. Bear. <laughs> Here come the bears. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if it's the, the the ears could have been a little bit taller or the head could have been a little I, hairier. I said hair. I wanted thriller. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the huge whiskers, the wisping uh, fur coming from the nose and the mouth and all Get that. Get away! <laughs> but we end up with a much shorter i said mascot because it reminds me of somebody that puts a mascot head yeah. on uh fuzzy. Like, a, like a big old bear cub yeah the no i don't know if it's the nose, but anyway like as far as wolf men go mm -hmm. this is not my favorite it's mm -hmm. my favorite werewolf movie All right okay. okay but if i were to okay. get my own you know origin story or spinoff i would make a werewolf movie where the werewolf looks like the wolfman from Monster Squad. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's classic. He's got the pants. He's busting out of his shirt. That, to me, is a wolfman. Because you can get away with certain things. Yeah. Like, his legs are like a man's legs. His arms are a man's arms. Because it's a, it's a man. Yeah. But he's a wolfman. I don't need it to be a full on four legs wolf. What do you think? No, no, definitely. I, I think... I mean, we we'll go back to Wolfman. I mean, from the original, and I love the the legs. What we get a lot in the '80s is the the crooked legs, and we don't know if it's supposed to be mm. standing up or if it's supposed to be on the floor or what the the hybrid is. But I do like the more classic two legs, pants, man kind of thing. Yeah, because like if, if you're if you're if it's a regular dog, wolf, yeah, right. The 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 back legs are inverted, right? Right. So. It was like the howling does it. The yeah. howling does it to where they keep those legs, but then he stands up or she stands up and the ears are almost like rabbit ears. It's yeah. like, it's really big. <laughs> but anyway, like, like you could tell. So, so the eighties are a big experimentation as to where are we going with the werewolf look? And this one put a man in a costume, uh, uh, maybe not big enough, too big of a head. Yeah. It just didn't. There was a certain disconnect. But for a lot of the times, they hide the werewolf. Full yeah, yeah, there's not a total reveal of it. You see a lot of hand action. I mean, that was big in the 80s as well. It's just showing little mid midsection hands. We see the eyes, eyes a yeah. lot. I know that the head was mechanical and the people running the mechanics on this were up to, I think, 30 feet away while running it and filming it. It's so. like Chucky. Yeah. It's like Chucky's face. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 Chucky's walking in. They're all like, they got the, the controllers and stuff. Yeah, man. You can really tell because like the yeah. eyes are. There's a lot uh, of expression on it. Yeah. I think the look of it lends itself to my idea of this is almost like a family horror film <laughs> somewhere wow. in there. I, family I, I horror. Well, listen, I obviously we had different kind of childhoods and a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, this is something that I was very comfortable watching as a kid. And so, okay. I mean, I was comfortable watching it too as a kid, but I, okay. Let me talk about a scene that <laughs> lives as the kids are saying rent free in my head nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays it's live rent free in my head since I've seen it. Okay. Danny Gonzalez, South Texas, raised Catholic, religious, all that stuff. Stuff. There are certain parts to where if your imagination or you let your imagination get the best of you mm -hmm. or let it run wild as far as like in a book or in a movies. I don't know about books. I don't know how to read. The point is in this movie, there is a murder. There's many murders, but there is a murder of a child mm -hmm. in this movie. And they never show the after or what the werewolf has done to the child. What you see is because the last time you see this child alive, he's flying a kite. Okay. He's flying a kite. And... His father goes looking for him in the local town watering hole where everybody is, you know, up in arms, led by, you know, the gun shop owner, Andy, who's trying to rile everybody up, calling for pretty much a recall on the town sheriff, saying that he's done nothing about these murders. So the boy's father walks into the watering hole, asks, has anyone seen my son, Brady? He looks around. And that's all you see. It's a close up on the father who's visibly distraught. And the next shot is away from there is Sheriff Haller, played by the awesome Terry O'Quinn. Mm -hmm. Walking with that kite, 
And it's a yellow kite with a smiley face on it. And the kite is drenched with blood. And he's walking away from the body, which has been covered by the sheriff. And he's saying the Hail Mary prayer. And you could just see on his face the terror that he just witnessed. When I saw that moment, knowing full well that I can only imagine as to what would make a grown man be reduced to just not his job. That is the sheriff of the town. He can't do his job right now. All he can do is be in utter shock, walking away, holding this piece of evidence, basically. It's this bloody kite. And there's something about that, how this blood is just smeared on this smiley face of a kite. When you saw it, it was pure innocence. It was a child flying it and enjoying his you know, day. The next time you see it, it's drenched in the most in blood in the most disgusting visceral way that you and you they'll never they never show it to you you just see sheriff haller walking away saying the hail mary and barely getting through it and your mind just starts going and you feel it because then the deputy brings who the deputy who was at the watering hole brings the father to the gazebo basically it's a town like park he brings him there and the father rushes and they try to stop him but he rushes and they never show the body they just show the father's reaction he throws open the, what was covering his son or what is left of his son and it's just terror and grief and utter just disbelief into what he's watching that to me is unforgettable that's beautiful. Beautifully said. I got a tear in my eye for that one. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, if, if that did not make you want to go watch that God bless it moment or this movie, I don't know what will. That was just, that was it for me, man. There, yes, that is a great scene. There is a ton of great acting and actors in this, in this film. And I think that's what gives it some legitimacy as a horror film and as a film in general. Like, I mean, on top of Gary Busey's ad libs all over the place, oh, which, yeah. oh yeah. Had to be approved by uh, Mr. Stephen King, but um, can you imagine how that meeting must have gone? Hey, Stephen, I want to see this uh, joke about a jackass. No, this is all on set. <laughs> this is like like Stephen King. Stephen King's on the set, and they're like, "Is that okay with you?" Sure, fuck it. Fuck what it, man. It's that Gary was a great Busey. take. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Tell Gary Busey no. He's yeah. gonna be like, "Well, you don't know shit." <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Dead Candy, dedicated entertainment for the dead. Hola, ghoulos! It's me, Raúl El Ghoul. And I'm coming to you to ask you, follow me on El Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul, or in Espanol, at Raul El Ghoul. Anyway, I am the newest creature feature ghost host with the most. I know all the things of is spooky things, and that's the story I'm sticking to it. If you want to laugh, you can come there too, because if I wasn't called El Ghoul, I'll be called Raul El Funny. Follow me on any Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul. Hey, when it comes to ghosts, hosts, and spooky stuff, you could do a lot worse than Raul, but it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Don't be a stupid. Be a ghoul. Adios. Uh, we got to get into the Reverend Low. One thing you mentioned was the town. We got to talk about the mm -hmm. town a little bit more because it's become something that's so essential to all great horror films. And we've talked about this with Halloween and um, My Bloody Valentine, like, and um, even Black Christmas, even Black the, Christmas, the yeah. original Black Christmas. It becomes such a character on its own. Um, the whole town goes nuts. Oh, right. Andy, as I mentioned before, he's not only the gun shop owner right he's not only the the local 
or the loudest, boisterous guy who's, you know, uh, what has Sheriff Haller done for this town anyway? And right. you'd have to, you have to love this guy. Even though he's a piece of shit and he's an asshole, he's got the most insane chops. Yeah. And, and they don't, they, you know, it's the mustache to the chops, you know, but the chin is bare. It's very cool. And only he could pull it off, you know. I mean, he, at one point he tells Sheriff Haller, who says, we'll catch him. What does he say? You couldn't catch a cold. Man, when I was a kid and I heard that Ooh. insult, I was ready. I was ready to use it on the playground. He, he is Andy is such uh, an instigator, but he's one of those instigators that throws the line out. Goes, anyone catching that? And he starts to kind of reel it back. And once it lands, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like I, a bully. Yeah, yeah, he's a big bully. Yeah, but like, totally. you know, more power to him. He, I mean, yeah, those that's an elected official. It's a government official, so you can. You know, get away with certain things. I mean, not, shit. You mouth off to a sheriff in my hometown. I'll just fade away with that one. <laughs> anyway, during this scene, what I love, uh, we get, we've already been introduced to Reverend Lowe, but what he is doing at this point is trying to hold everyone back. He's going up to every single person in the town. Right. holding. It's, it's a search party, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're taking matters into their own hands. They're going to find who is killing these people. Just like Earl from Halloween 4. Oh, my God. I, I, you can, I, there is a there is a iconic piece of movie prop history uh, in this movie. You got the um, the peacemaker bat, <laughs> yes, uh, being and it's just it's a bat that has peacemaker itched into it, and it's uh, the uh, the bar owner uses that when he needs to break up anybody who wants to fight in his bar. So the peacemaker bat is very important. But I wonder, would you want that? Uh, and, and I forget the name of the the bar owner, but would you want him and the peacemaker bat on your side, or would you want Earl? And his shotgun, even though we know what happens to Earl and the Peacemaker. I guess, I mean, I got to take Earl. You got to take Earl, right? I mean, yeah. It's good. I think it's the way Earl chugs the beer right before he gets ready to go. He's just a man of action immediately. But, I mean, what I do have to say is the Peacemaker obviously has a history to it. Yeah. no, Like, this this bat has beaten some ass or has taken some names in its day. I mean, the Peacemaker, wasn't that White Earp's pistol? I think that was what it was... His uh his pistol was uh was the peacemaker. In any yeah. case, they're getting ready to go and take matters into their own hands, is what uh, Sheriff Haller, Terry O'Quinn calls private justice. Yes. And what I love about that is Reverend Lowe is trying to hold them back. He's he sees the chaos of the town. He knows worse is coming, you know. Um, but besides the terror of the town, now the town is turning on the terror. Um and it just that's the town moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's the moment of like, don't do this. And it adds that extra character, which is so important to all film, I think, is having that small town and, and giving it so much character. Well, I and guess setting up your killer or your killers or your beast or whatever it is. That- well, what I also and you bring up a good point about that town. You want the town to take on that characteristic of of, uh, you know, fighting back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why. Maybe you like Halloween too so much. I do too. I love the, you know, the 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 tribe. You know, one of this has been mur- this is the wake when they're like trying to, you know, in part two, they're throwing the rocks at the yeah. Myers house. The town's had enough, you know. And I think what we'll see in Halloween kills is Haddonfield, you know, responding right. to that. Wouldn't you love that? Let's say, and I mean, don't put yourself in a situation where you have to imagine being torn to pieces by a werewolf. But if you were in your small town and they're like, we're going to do it for Lance, we're going to get out there. And if he has a stroll in the moonlight tonight, we're going to get his ass. You know, I would love that. I would love for my town to respond like that. You kind of appreciate that. You know, they're like, that's, that's our, that's our person. That's our town folk, right? We're going to, you're not going to come in here and, there's something sweet about that. Yeah, I think it's so important. It sets up everyone. It, it makes it more enriching and more watchable. Each character is much more watchable. So um, we got to talk about uh, Jane a little bit more just because she's such an important role. Oh, yeah. I love her relationship with Marty. Um, and right off, If you can give me one scene right off the bat that tells me everything I need to know about the characters and they're, they're we, it's two scenes kind of, but they're right next to each other is Marty and who plays the prank on Brady. Jane. Yes. Brady. Marty Brady plays this prank on Jane, throws a fake snake down right from the tree. Mm-hmm. 
He's in the tree. Real snake. Oh, it's a real snake. It's a garter snake. You're right. It is a real snake. My apologies. You're forgiven. So Jane <laughs> falls down. You know, she's she's afraid of this snake. And it turns out that it was a prank. Marty comes over. Oh, sorry, Jane. Didn't, you know, didn't mm-hmm. mean it. And then the snake gets thrown down at her again. Meanwhile, they're at the fair. Yeah. It's, uh, but again, this I just miss shit like this because it wouldn't happen in here at all. Yeah. Maybe it would. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not. I'm No, for sure. Right now it wouldn't happen. They're having like a uh, like a town potluck almost. Yeah. Right. And she's off on her own, like just kind of walking to the next, you know, event or whatever. And now she's doused in mud because of this, this prank. And you see Marty just have remorse for what's happening. Mm-hmm. The snake gets thrown at her yeah. and you just see his heartbreak. Like, Oh, I wanted this to be funny. This is now tragic and sad. And you see like that relationship. She's just over it. She's pissed off. She always has to take care of her brother. Um, or she feels that way. At least her parents are always kind of on her, like give him a break. Um, yeah, she resents him a little bit. She um, does. But in the next scene, it's like the saddest thing is he comes strolling in and while she's in bed and like gives her like, how much did you need for your, your pantyhose? Right, because your pantyhose tore. Oh, it's just like seeing that relationship like right away. I'm like, I, I love both of you. Let's let's go. Where's, I mean, where's the movie going now? How many times do you see siblings being depicted in movies? And it's so fake. Yeah. You're like, all right. Not all siblings fight. My brother and I sure did. Um, but it's about the moments in between the fights. Yeah. Are you jerks to each other? Yeah. Sometimes it's one-sided. Sometimes you're asked to, you know, hang on the garage door so that you can play Superman. And, you know, then you're too heavy and you break it. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just throwing out things. And... <laughs> But the, it's about the <laughs> moments that make you, as far as siblings with each other, it makes you guys shit happens, right? Yeah. Shit will always happen. But at the end of the day, we have each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. almost like, like uh, Henry and I would fight at home. But if he saw anybody trying to get, you know, trying to mess with me at school here he comes right. you know, to like whoop their ass so the point is is that like thank you thank you for showing me these two siblings that are just being freaking brother and sister yeah yeah the brother's a little shit and well i mean it's really his his friend is a little shit and she hates him and in a sense i love the idea that they don't shirk away and you know stephen king wrote this and we know that he doesn't give a shit about writing uncomfortable moments with with kids yeah but he wrote this moment. I felt very real. He wrote a very real moment that like, yeah, maybe she does resent him because, you know, his parents, their parents don't know how to navigate the fact that, you know, one of their children is in a wheelchair and one isn't. And mm. you want to be equal, but you also want to make sure that, you know, your ten- they have different needs. So there is a there is a real a real moment there and they play on that where yeah she she might not like him because she thinks he gets away with everything right but then there's a big payoff with that because they're they're kind of at ends through the rest through a good chunk of the front first half of the movie but then there's a payoff for it later on oh heck yeah and it's so like oh now you guys are really together in on this when no one else believes poor marty his sister's the one that comes through. And remember that she's the one that's navigating this whole story. She's the one that's doing the dialogue through mm-hmm. the story. So it's so important. I love that relationship. I'm glad that they they had those moments so early on. And then later on, they have even more. So I love that relationship. I'm glad that was in the movie. It's so important to it. But if we can talk about the best relationship in the movie, it's the dynamic between Uncle Red and Marty. Uncle Red... Gary Busey, Marty, Corey Haim. What a funkle. I mean, funkle. <laughs> this dude, I mean, yes. The the big thing is like, Uncle Red is getting a divorce again. His third. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's not great. You want to get three divorces. But like, why is that the worst thing? Okay, obviously, I'm an Uncle Red, Gary Busey fan. I'm... I, before I was shitting on Axel, it's not comparable, okay? Axel was cheating on his wife. Uncle Red just had another divorce, his third. But Axel just, from My Bloody Valentine 3D, just for anyone that has no idea what Danny was talking about. You'll have to watch this in chronological order. If not, yes. it won't make sense. So the point of, the, of all this is that Red is maybe not got his own life together, but he has his relationship with his nephew together. And I love that. 
I can relate to that, you know, because yeah, my, it's funny. It's because like, maybe there's a, I mean, the age gap is obviously huge, but between these two, you have Gary Busey, who is this whiskey swilling, <laughs> joke telling, makes Marty's wheelchairs. That is freaking huge. He makes the silver bullet. Yes. Marty's wheelchair, it's a motorized wheelchair, is called the silver bullet. Uh, and Uncle Red, you know, got him all the, you know, the big glass pack and the cherry bomb so it could be like loud when he's like revving it and he's going to make him a new one and you finally do see a new one and it kicks so much ass. I think it's the, it's, it's that moment where Marty has already lost his best friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this werewolf is wreaking havoc or Marty thinks it's a, it's a monster. Obviously, Red doesn't because he's trying to be logical and sane. Uh, imagine saying that with Gary Busey. Uh, <laughs> and um, so he he's you know going to cheer him up by giving him the new silver bullet. I love this moment because it's like if you've ever done anything for like a young cousin or a nephew or niece and just to see the smile on their face. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with that just because like all my nephews and nieces live in Texas. But I was able to give like a cool toy to my nephew recently and just seeing his huge face. Yeah. I'm uh, like, well, he was so happy when I gave it to him. So I was like, he gives this awesome motorized. I want to drive it. Yeah. It's, silver bullet. I mean, it, it's basically a motorcycle with a seat. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's a, it's it a three. It's a it's a tri cycle. Yeah. It's a trotter. This thing hauls so much ass. There's a there's oh a my God. <laughs> there's a double exhaust pipe on this thing. It's a blowing gas. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But what I also love about this when he finally gives him the new silver bullet is um, it's an uncle relationship. Oh, yeah. Because he's got to sneak it behind mom's back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Corey, right? Marty says, this goes really fast. Mm -hmm. I know it goes really fast. And you better watch it. Because if your mother finds out how fast it goes, I'm going to be singing soprano in the Vienna Boys Choir. <laughs> and what does Marty say? Yeah, I don't get you. And he says, I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> Blows right past that. That was a very in-depth like comment from him. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't get you. I don't get you. <laughs> like as a human, I don't get you. I don't get you. I know you don't. <laughs> but it's just like, you know. Oh, and also the the, the town fair is canceled. No fireworks, blah, blah, blah. So he like, he got, gives him the, the new silver bullet that hauls major ass. And he also, right before he leaves, they're having a barbecue. Right before Red leaves, he gives Marty a, by the way, why do I want that brown bag? I don't even care what's in it. It just looks so crispy <laughs> and perfect. You know, like when you get order five guys and they bring the, or you ever have five guys burgers and fries and they, they give you the brown bag and it's just like, you just, I don't, whatever. Maybe you don't know, but it's just like, there's something appealing about a bag. That's a bag. Just, a, a brown bag. That's got goodies inside. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I like I, It's like the, the pink box at a donut shop. Like, oh. you know, Maybe that will. No, no, no I, yeah, yeah. Maybe that would resonate. Yeah. But for me, it's the brown bag special. You know, it's not, and I'm not talking about drinking wild turkey outside of the liquor store. <laughs> That's not what I mean. What I mean is like, you know, he gets the brown bag out of his little Miata or whatever the hell he's driving, <laughs> and he puts it on Marty's like, uh, you know, his little steering wheel there, and he's like, "All right, so I know they canceled the fireworks in town." Well, I got you some fireworks. I'm paraphrasing, right? But he gets in some fireworks. He gets in some fireworks. He got some Roman candles. He got some sparklers. He's got some uh, uh, twisty doodles. He's got, I think he's got the rooster that nobody wants, but he's got, and he's got it all. He's also got very important. And red tells him, use this at the, you know, do this one at the end. It's a rocket. First of all, Gary Busey saying rocket is very important because he is <laughs> the rocket from rookie of the year. Oh, all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's important. The fireworks are important and that Very instruction important. is important. Yes, because it leads to what I believe is the most iconic scene from this movie. I'll go with that. Uh, it's one that was always synonymous for me. And it was the one that my parents always talked about and that I always thought about when I thought about this movie. And, Listen, Marty is supposed to stay as close to home as he can and do these fireworks. He right. says, fuck that. I got the fastest ride in town, literally, because he's lapping cars. He's lapping Volkswagens <laughs> like it's his job. Yes. So it leads to the bridge. 
he is away from everyone. There's a bridge, there's water, it's in the woods. This scene, by the way, was reshot uh, months later. So there's two versions of it. Okay. Um, and it's the most tense scene. So we get good old Marty just hanging out, shooting fireworks off the bridge in the silver bullet, which is awesome. He's having a good old time. I love there's a you see like uh, what is it? The sparks coming off of everything landing in the water. I yeah. think that's such a beautiful like scene. So yeah. it's like serene, like oh, that's 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 aesthetically pleasing to too. It's like, and all of a sudden we see the reflection of the bear, the, <laughs> the werewolf. In the water, and we know that Marty's in trouble. Mm -hmm. And we slowly get the POV of the werewolf. It's very uh, Friday the 13th to me. Mm -hmm. We get a little hand action, mm -hmm. and we're creeping up on Marty to the end of this bridge. And Marty Marty feels something's happening, and we get the shot. This is what sets it up. Mm -hmm. There's a mm -hmm. shot down the bridge, and that's the fun part where you're like, oh, there's, there's nothing there, but you know that something's coming. Mm -hmm. Marty doesn't know that he continues to to shoot it. He gets the rocket going. And what's coming up? What's coming up the bridge? <laughs> it's the werewolf. Yes. He's about to come get Marty. He's coming hard. Let me let me tell you something about Marty <laughs> reacting in that moment. Fucking awesome little kid. Yeah. Okay, he's 13. He's not a child. Okay, he's a child. Look, he does it. He's like, ah, shit. Werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's trying to frantically light the bottle rocket. Still thinking of the comment. He's trying to light the bottle rocket and he lights it and he shoots it directly at the werewolf and nails it right in the fucking eye. Yes. Huh? And then he's he takes the F off. He's got to get the hell Why out of there. Why did I censor F there if I've already said Beep. <laughs> He takes <laughs> off. And I talked about this. It's the sheer terror. Uh, that Corey Haim, as the actor, exudes at that moment. He's hauling ass. It's a it's a close up shot of him. He's on the road already. He's yeah, left yeah, the he scene. He got away. He got away. And he's just like, if you can drench someone with sweat, not water, no, drench them sweat, with sweat. sweat. And he's just like, you could see the terror in his eyes. That's so impressive for a young actor. Yeah. Like, I, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, think about anything scary you saw as a kid. I mean, it like it looks like he just saw a ghost. No. He saw a fucking werewolf. I mean, yeah. yeah when I mean, I, he when is I, terrified. He was attacked by a yeah. werewolf and you see it in his face. He is so terrified about what just happened. And can he even believe what just happened? Well, hold on, Lance. I mean, let me ask you. If if you're 13 years old and you see a werewolf and you don't shit your pants. You instead light a bottle rocket and shoot it directly into the eye of a werewolf. Are you driving back with that face? Or are you like pumping? It's like the the theme of low rider pumping in your head and like dun, 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 dun. like you kid. What's up? Like fuck you, werewolf! I got your ass. Come back. I have more. You know. No, I'm sorry. That's a badass moment. I don't give a shit who you are. Yeah. The fact that he kicked that, he nailed that werewolf right in the eye. Yeah, now it's a bit of a detective situation. Right. right. I, I just want to continue with the, the tension of the scene. I love the tension of the scene. Mm -hmm. Something, this beast chasing this kid, the kid just having enough gall to like get this firework mm -hmm. in his eye and bail out. It's a great tension scene. Like I said, it's the one that I always think about the monster in the woods that you don't see is coming for you. Oh yeah. That. Oh yeah. Rebel. Yeah. We're going to get, let's bust him up. Let's bust his chops. Oh, oh, that hurt my parts. You think that's what the I think that's what the werewolf in his mind was thinking <laughs> when he ran into Marty. You're talking about Milt. I am talking about Milt. There is a uh, you know one of the victims. I just had to do that impersonation. Milt Sturm Fuller. God bless you, Sturm Fuller. So <laughs> you know uh, you know plays one of the victims, one of the early victims, and 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 this guy is just like he's just slaving the just disgusting sweating. He's got the wife. Uh, he's got the undershirt and he's got the, you know, he's sweating, he's drinking the ponies and he's watching wrestling. Yes. Like, how can this not be one of my favorite? How how can this not be my favorite werewolf? Movie? We need it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we need to do an origins about Milt and you need to star as Milt. That's yeah. Just all there oh, is to yeah. It. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's him watching. Um, it, it looks like it looks like all American wrestling, I think. Or it's uh, Jim Crockett. 
Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'm so at one point, he's just reacting. You know, he's watching wrestling. And I guess I kind of missed that. Real quick tangent. I kind of missed that. People taking wrestling seriously and being like, I'm going to cheer for my guy. Yeah. Anyway, so he's like, oh, yeah, Rebel. We're going to bust him up tonight. And it's like also a guy that's just enjoying his moment where he's going to drink his little ponies, beers, and yell at the TV. Fine. You know? But he hears something in the shack. What is it? He's like, I'm going to get him. And he's wasted. He's going to go with his little single shooter P gun. I just whatever. love the gun rack. A yeah. gun rack. I don't even own a gun. Let alone many guns that, that would necessitate, necessitate an, an entire rack. rack. But Milt does. Yeah, he has three guns and he gets the worst one. He gets the single <laughs> shooter. Like, I think it's a 13 gauge. I don't know. He's a big guy, though. I mean, maybe he doesn't really care. He's just like, I'm gonna, a big guy with a gun. Who, you know. Truthfully, it's something messing with his pots. He's got a greenhouse and apparently he's green thumb and we don't know this about Milt. But he's just out there trying to, he probably thinks it's a varmint, you know? Yeah. He's probably, you know, John Marston from Red Dead Redemption 2 looking for a perfect rat carcass. I don't know. I don't know Milt. But what I do know is that he's the one of the victims of the werewolf. And uh, he's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, and we, we get to see some werewolf action on oh, Milt, yeah. Yeah. which is pretty cool. So I, I love him getting, he gets sucked down <laughs> under the house, which is cool. I think that's a really fun scene. Uh, the Peacemaker makes an appearance on this one, I believe, as well. Not yet. Okay, we were talking about, remember, they were they were, they were on a search party, right? The Peacemaker yeah. comes into play because there's a very Hitchcock moment. We're, and we're kind of jumping around because we like talked about the scenes that we like mm -hmm. in these movies. There's a moment where they it just so happens that the time that they pick to go hunting for the force that is killing these people happened to be on the foggiest night of all time. Well, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help when you have fog machines in the forest. Hey, you know, somebody turn them on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, everyone's kind of fed. What does he say? What does Andy say? The skirmish. The skirmish. Uh, skirmish, skirmish line. Skirmish line. And I'm like, why are you talking to these people like that? Just tell them what to do. Because right? <laughs> he's in all camo, Danny. That's how he talks. I couldn't even see him. <laughs> so the point is, is that chops. people are out there with guns. People are out there with like, okay, we got, we got revolvers. We got shotguns. We got rifles. We got it all. And we've got still the owner of the bar with his peacemaker, the bat. The bat. And, uh, you know, there's one point that the fog is like about, you know, tit high to all these people. And they, you know, the werewolf gets them. And there's a Hitchcock moment where the, the, the peacemaker is you know the guy gets pulled down and you can only imagine what's happening down the fog and the peacemaker bat is being used to try and fend off the werewolf but then it is taken by the werewolf and it's just and lance says lance says guys lance says that this is not scary and i disagree can you imagine the blunt force of a werewolf using a bat on you holy shit if this werewolf was not so, if you say it, comical, you son of a bitch. <laughs> the thing is, he, like, all you see is a little bit of a paw. He can't get a full grip on the bat. It's kind of awkward. There's claws. It doesn't totally close his hand. You just see a little bit of the hand. And then the way it kind of swings is half bat. I think it's broken now. Yeah. Out of the fog, you just see this little ink. It's not like you got the full arm motion in there. You get this this little tiny bit of hand going. Eh, eh. Lies. It, no. It, Lies and I, fallacies. Why would I lie about this film, Danny? He's not mechanic. Anyway, guys, watch for yourselves. Tell me if that's terrifying. I think it's terrifying. It's like, it's like you know, you're like, ha -ha, and you go at the bear. Well, first of all, nobody's saying that. Just probably people who are like, I'm going to make a documentary of a bear in the woods, right? But then the bear's like, I'm going to make a documentary about me killing you, right? And the bear gets your tools and beats your ass. Anyway, it's, yeah, just, it's, it's scary to me. It's scary to me. It's scary to me. It's funny. But, you know, we're talking about a lot of cool scenes. <laughs> Eventually, the uh, Marty has to enlist uh he, obviously he tries his he asks his sister to find the one-eyed person because yeah. he's like that's a werewolf that's not like a wolf that's a werewolf he's gonna turn into a man go find the one-eyed person because i fucked his eye up right yeah and she finds him she finds him but again going back to the relationship she believes him to start this whole thing off there was just which, she and it's the narration yeah it's talking about that relationship between a brother and sister who have a real relationship yeah. i applaud that she felt she was like Marty told me something that I'll never forget, and you know what? I believed him as soon as he told me. Yeah. So now she's on a mission to find yeah. 
who this one-eyed man or woman or whoever is in the town. Yeah, and she goes around looking for him. And or her. She, and she finds... And who is the one-eyed man? Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Reverend Lowe. The Reverend? Who was trying to stop everyone? Isn't that like the classic tale of, a were- tale of the werewolf or the wolfman? Please, guys, don't. Shoot me. Shoot me. Get me. He doesn't, He's reluctant. He doesn't want to be doing these things. It's the curse. Yeah. And or before this, before this, we got to talk about the, the church scene that he has. Oh, my God. Guys, there's too many. You wanna, uh, we're going to talk about end up talking about the whole movie because this movie is awesome. But at the same time, yeah, he's having night terrors or nightmares of... His congregation turning into werewolves and tearing him apart because he's the reason about he's presiding over he's presiding over a funeral and the town revolts against him. They're like, we know it's you. And you know what? We're going to kill you with your own tool of mayhem. Yes. And it's the most badass werewolves in the whole film because they they do the townspeople werewolves way better than him. Yeah. There's there's great transitions in this. It's very quick. It goes shot to shot because there's so many people in here. I think there's 80 people in this church altogether. Um, there's like, can you imagine that day to make a bar showed up that day, extra early call 4am. Yeah. There, I mean, there was like 10 principles, like the, like stagger them basically. So the people in the back are barely, yeah. barely have anything, but there's just numbers of people coming after the, after the, the reverend and they're more terrifying than I think the, the actual werewolf is, but it's cool to see this transition. It's cool to see. I mean, think about yourself at the end of a church, there's nowhere else for him to go. And now he, all, all his people oh, sure. are coming after him and they're all werewolves. I think that's another one of the more terrifying scenes of the film. Absolutely. Because like, you know, there is a, there's a remorse, you know, um, they mentioned this, the novel's called the cycle of the werewolf. So there seems to be, it's hinted at, it's eventually kind of talked about in a roundabout kind of silly way about how, you know, cause Gary Busey, uncle red is like Marty, the, the moon wasn't even full. You know, he's always just kind of like throwing yeah. it at him and he's like, yeah, well, maybe he's just, they say, maybe he's a werewolf all the time. And as the moon gets fuller, he becomes wolfier. That's oh, wolfier, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So like maybe his, his humanity is slipping and you actually see it because he take like in the beginning, he, the Reverend wants to help and wants to stop the town from getting hurt. And towards the end, his, when he's in his human persona, he's a dick. Yeah. He's I a mean, huge dick. He's kind of starting to take care of the secret. I think he even says, I mean, he corners Marty at that at one point and says, this isn't really my thing, but I don't kill children. I don't go after children, but I'm coming after you, Marty. Oh, right, right. Because Marty decided to, you know, he, he decided to write a, a freaking ransom letter to the... <laughs> He's like, what does Uncle Red say? <laughs> They're telling the local reverend to gargle with broken glass. <laughs> take rat, rat poison omelets. <laughs> I love the ransom note so much. Like, why is he doing a ransom note? He's cutting and pasting yeah. like letters and, uh, and sending this note. And what is he telling the reverend? You know what? I know who you are. I know what you are. Why don't you kill yourself? Like, you don't just send that to somebody, even if they're, like, a werewolf sometimes. Dude, like Marty's can- the bully. <laughs> He's Shut the up. monster. No. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. I'm just saying. But, but okay. We know that the movie can cannot be called Silver Bullet based off of the wheelchair. No. The movie's called Silver Bullet because it's a werewolf movie. And at the end of the day, because Marty has read all the stories about werewolves... There is one thing that is always the same. And what is it? You need a silver bullet to kill a werewolf. You need silver. You need it. So Marty and uh, Jane ask Uncle Red to melt down their crucifix and their, you know, their necklaces to make a silver bullet. And, you know, Red's like, he's the reluctant helper, but he's also like, I don't want to, I don't want to believe you. He doesn't say this. I just like doing the voice at this point. <laughs> but he just, he tries to, in a roundabout way, go to this gunsmith and just be like, my nephew's just discovered the Lone Ranger, <laughs> you know? And the gunsmith, I love this moment. I talked to you about this, guys. I may have talked about this in the previous, in previous podcasts about this moment. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Uh, I've talked about it at, you know, forever with Caitlin about these moments in the day. Some people call them the golden hour. It's not. Some people call it twilight. It might be. It's that moment of when the sun is obviously down, but the entire day is still being lit, but it's got that orange tint. Mm -hmm. 
Night of the Comet. And if you live in a small town like I did and you have, and it's that you internally have that feeling of wanting to get out, wanting to, you know, maybe it's FOMO, like fear of missing out. Mm. Maybe there's other things, but it's just, you know, I remember, I remember it distinctly being like, and, and maybe it was just a random Wednesday when I knew I hated going to school the next day, or I don't know, yeah. but it's just that it's that moment of when the town is still, mm-hmm. everyone has decided that they don't, necessarily like where the night the day is going which is to the night which is the night is scary which is the night is like you can't see it's like it's like things are you're missing out or something that moment can only like there's only another time that i get that moment and it's from this scene where they get the silver bullet made with the with this gunsmith who knows uh he knows more than he's leading on right. right yeah it just it puts me in a in, in a <sighs> that's a, i think that's a and it's not that it creeps me out it's if you guys can relate or or maybe hit, help me hit the nail on the head it's like night of the comet but without the you know sort of radiation in the eye in the you know it's something about a sleepy town on the verge of going to sleep but darkness and evil Linger. looms yeah loom yeah it's it's the end of the day. I mean, it, it it's the beginning of the end, essentially. You know what I mean? And it is that in between of like, what do we do at this moment? And you're right. There is like a particular hour of the day, especially in a smaller town, where it's like this beautiful sunset. It's very quiet. People have just come home from work. Mm-hmm. And you're either deciding on what to do with the rest of the night or you're like, shit, I only have a few hours left of the day before I got to go to bed and start it all over again. There, you're right. There is a particular moment. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yes. It's the it's the moment that I think the best horror movies live in. Mm. It's weird. It's like I think Halloween Four touches on it a little bit because not even the original Halloween. Halloween deals with night and day. Yeah, and that's okay because there's there's definitely terror to be told in the night. But it's that in between moment. Uh, I think Caitlin and I took some pictures during that time. We were at the uh, Mission Tiki Lounge, Mission Tiki Drive-In. Mm. Um, I think it's like wide open spaces, being able to see like the, the like the the light depleting. I know I'm going off on a tangent, guys, but if you can go with me and you know fill your tiki cups with whatever you want at this point, <laughs> and obviously not rat cyanide or anything like that, but you know that's just this moment. The the, the gunsmith makes the the silver bullet and he pretty much tells red you <laughs> you're not fooling you're me. not fooling me dude yeah. i know what you need this for red's like yeah whatever what are you gonna use a 44 on a 44 silver bullet on anyway and what, he, what does he tell him it's another version of the of the phrase of, or of the term how about a werewolf <laughs> drops the f terrifying i think some time has passed at this point mm-hmm and now we're we're down to Halloween. We started in the spring of the year. And now we're down to Halloween. So this has spanned over a few months. It's almost like a cycle. Oh God! Yes, full moon every month. <laughs> anyway, the moon is full. Yeah, the moon is full. It lands on Halloween. And why do why? How do we send mom and dad out of the house so that we can take on the full moon on Halloween? Fucking Uncle Red decides to divvy up, or or not divvy up, but pony up and make. You know, buy them a, a, an all-expense-paid trip for two to New York. He says it's Publishers Clearinghouse. Yeah, like he puts up, he puts his money where his mouth is, essentially for his niece and nephew. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean that we, we were kind of watching that scene together. Like, did he really do that on it? Did he pony this up by himself? Like, yes. He may not believe Marty. He may not believe Jane. He may not believe that there's a werewolf coming for Marty, which Marty totally believes is going to happen on this full moon and Halloween. But you know what? I got you your silver bullet. I got the revolver. I'm sending mom and dad out of here. I'm going to sit with you guys with a revolver in my lap the whole night, no matter how dangerous that is. Real quick, correlation between this scene that's coming up with what's playing on the TV and Poltergeist. Go. I have no idea. You know, when, like, <laughs> what, in the, in the, in the, you don't know what I just said? No. <laughs> the tie-in, right? It's like, you know, the, the TV's playing and it's like, the last thing is the national anthem when the TV station goes off air. I see. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll do it differently next time. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll say pop quiz or some shit. I don't know. That, that's a good one. Pop nah, quiz, hot shot. It's not mine. It's not mine. 
It's another podcast. Anyway, so it's time to put up or shut up. Yep. Wolfman's coming. Maybe. Maybe. So the next shot, everyone's asleep. <laughs> Gary Busey decides he's going to do an old trucker's, uh, you know, trick where, you know, you put the cigarette between your fingers and if you fall asleep, it burns you and it wakes your ass up. So it does. Everybody falls asleep, but the cigarette burns him. He's like, ow. Jumping. Ball-headed Jesus Palomino. I think I got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it. Meanwhile, the gun literally is in his lap. Marty's off to his left, conked out. Jane's on the couch, conked out. <laughs> that was like the worst Halloween party ever. <laughs> it's got a bowl of no like, trick or treaters. No. We're, we're passed out like immediately. There's bowl no Halloween celebration. Popcorn and a revolver. No horror films were on that night. Yeah. And at this point, uh, Uncle Red's done. He's over it. It's 3 a.m. almost. He says, Y'all are going to bed. I'm over it. There ain't no wolf coming. And then. But the the moon isn't down yet. It's damn near down. And the wolf decides, that's my cue. Decides to knock the power out. Decides to show his face to Jane. Mm-hmm. He's making everybody jumpy. And it is put up or shut up time again, right? It's another great uncle moment. I just have to say, he's like, oh, you didn't see anything. Like, go to bed. Lights go out. Oh, shit. Well, I'm kind of scared now, too. No, go to bed. And then- yeah, it's that moment where he's like, <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Like he's like, God, I didn't want to believe it, but it's happening. Shit. The wolf is here. And then the werewolf fucking Kool-Aid man's through the wood paneling of <laughs> the house. The wood paneling. That's like a perfect like break room. Anyway, it's time. I mean, I don't know why Gary B decide or Red takes out the bullet, but like the bullet is loose, right? The bullet's loose. The wolf, you know, the werewolf is just 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 ragdolling. Uncle oh Red, God, yeah. just ragdolling him, like throwing him all over the place. Meanwhile, the bullet falls into like the vent, you yeah. know, the floor vent. The floor vent, yeah. And Marty's got the, the thin hands. He reaches down there. <laughs> He's got my strong hand. Oh, no. He reaches down there, <laughs> gets the bullet in time, puts it in the revolver. Jane's next to him. He's like, shoot it. The wolf's going to come with him. And I think there is a direct connection between this movie again and Halloween 2. What is that? Marty and Laurie Strode went to the same gun range. He nails the wolf in the eye again. <laughs> two for two. Fucking kidding me. <laughs> this dude is a crack shot. He's, he, he's going to be a sniper when he grows up. That's fine. You know, or he's going to be Uncle Red, which is what I would think. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. <laughs> Just be Uncle Red. Right? He is Uncle Red. Yeah, he's going to be drinking wild turkey, and you know, anyway, absolutely and telling shoot. stories of the fucking werewolf that attacked Can him when imagine? he was a kid. When I was a kid, why does he talk like him though? When I was a kid, why was wouldn't he? That's his hero. What are you talking about? That would be your hero too. That's true. That's true. absolutely. He's a great uncle. And well, he shoots the werewolf dead, and the werewolf de like de escalates, like you know, the the yeah. hair. The, the he goes into reverse transformation. You see, it's. It's pretty the creepy. Reverend Lowe. It is very creepy because, yeah. you know, hair growing out is one thing. Hair growing in, that's weird. Yeah. And he really looks like a corpse at the end of it, which yeah, is cool. He's, he's very pale. Eyes. Oh very God. pale body. Yeah. The bloody eye thing going on. One scarred, one bloody. And Red sees, he's like, holy shit. It's it definitely a, a werewolf. And it was definitely Reverend Lowe. And he says, holy jumped up, ball headed Jesus Palomino. Doesn't say ball headed this time, but ball headed is the. Yeah. I'm surprised the, he used the same line twice. He must have thought, like, they're going to cut that at one out. I better use it again. <laughs> that, that's such a holy shit moment, but something that he's like, well, if this is made for TV, this will make it in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's that, that's. I, that's pretty much the end of the the, like, the climax of, of the, the action. But I think ultimately it's the part that sends everyone kind of, I don't know, home happy. Yeah, one thing, the, my first thought watching it this time around was, how do you tell the talent, we killed the Reverend because he was a werewolf, because now he's transformed back into a human form, like, you shot him in his right, eye. Right, who takes over the sermons? How do you explain to the town that you killed this guy, and he was, because he was a werewolf? How about a werewolf? Well, because they, 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 people saw some shit, they're just... You know, it's like the thing in It, where they're like, we know shit's going on, we're not going to acknowledge yeah, it. Yeah, okay. They're just going to know that the murders are going to stop. The wolf is gone. And, uh, you know, it ends with a very sweet moment between Jane and Marty in that time. And then grown up Jane kind of saying, you know. That was the moment. It's when Marty's sitting there after he shot the the werewolf in the eye. 
And he goes, <laughs> Jane no asks him, <laughs> are you okay? Are right? you okay? He goes, oh, my, my legs. What's wrong with your legs? And what does he say? I don't think I can walk. I don't think I can walk. That was the Uncle Red moment. I'm like, he's going to be Uncle Red when yeah, he grows up. Yeah, it's the cycle like, of the he's, red. He's, he's right. going gonna... <laughs> to turn into That Uncle was the sequel. Yeah, that was the follow-up novel. because yeah, even Red looks at him like, son of a bitch. That's a, that's a, that's a good joke. That's but he didn't say that, but anyway. I'm rubbing off on you, obviously. I know, man. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's it, but right? There, uh, again, that's that moment. It, it, it just, it comforts me because, again, I know what it's like to grow and, you know, you can obviously speak to this too is if you grew up with a sibling that's like you guys don't see eye to eye all the time but when it's time to see eye to eye there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing stronger you know it's cool it's cool it's a cool moment yeah so um another thing that i wanted to say is the music in this you said it in the opening line and i think ah, it's where shit. i kind of i don't it's not taking it down it's putting it in another horror category for me there's moments of the soundtrack where you're like, okay, this is a horror film. This is creepy. And then <laughs> some of the soundtrack sounds adventurous to me. Or yeah, it's it sounds kind of like, jo- it's kind of jovial. It's kind of, a, <sighs> it, yeah, it's adventurous for sure. Yeah. There, there's, I don't, know. I don't know. It's, it's in its own subcategory. So kind of missed the mark. <laughs> Danny, how many silver bullets do you give the movie silver bullet? Four. All right. Four silver bullets to kill the werewolf. I will give it a three. I like it. Why are you the way you are? I, what? That's not that bad. No, it's not. You're you right. said it's the be- your best werewolf movie, and you gave it a four. I gave it a three. Yeah, because I need to keep my I need to I need to keep myself responsible. I need to be responsible. The fives go out to the to the winners to okay. the big timers. You know, and this ain't a best werewolf movie. Yeah, well, not a five. No, it's not a five. What's what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with my three then? Everything. Oh my! <laughs> Four Goodness. silver bullets for Uncle Red, uh, Jane, and Marty, and the town of Tarker's Mill. It's really just for Gary Busey because he got to do Gary Busey all night tonight. That's true. That's true. All right. Anyway, um, that's Danny. I'm Lance reminding you to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and piss on the Yankees, piss on the Indians, piss on the Phillies, piss on the And join us next time in our Slashers Paradise. Danny, give him the peace sign. We'll see you next time. We're gonna get ya. Hey, did you hear anything you like? Thanks for listening to Slashers Paradise tonight. Did you know that you can watch our podcast? Where? YouTube.com. If you go to YouTube.com, look up Slashers Paradise, you'll find the Dead Candy page. And there you can see all of our podcasts, as well as a few shorts that Danny and I have put out. While you're there, please subscribe. And while you are listening here, go ahead and find yourself that rate and review button. Five stars is what we would love for you guys to give us. And you know what? If you can't think of anything to say the review, why don't you go ahead and put some recommendations and or requests of horror movies that you would love for us to talk about. If you'd like to find out more information about Slasher's Paradise or Dead Candy, the producer of our show, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Dead Candy Fix. That's D-E-D, Candy Fix. Here's to you guys. This is Slasher's Paradise. Sorry, I had to work that in. And I'm going to drink on that.